You're listening to a sermon of Meadowbrook Church in Ocala, Florida. For more media resources, visit us online at www.nbcocala.com. I hate bad things. Come on, anybody on my team? I hate bad things. I hate bad news. I hate bad stuff. Come on. I hate hard times. Y'all here? Or you're like, no, I love this. Yeah. I hate it. You know, you see bad things happen all the time in all kinds of degrees. Everything from what's going on in, J- in Japan and other nations throughout the, the world to a waitress dropping a full tray of drinks. Saw that the other day and it's like, oh, and it wasn't my drinks. But I hated it. It's embarrassing. It's a mess. It, it, you know, alarms everybody. And so small scale to worldwide scale, I hate bad things. But I want to show you this morning and next week the good thing about bad things. The good thing about bad things. We, we sang in one of the songs this morning out of Romans chapter 8. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes. All things, everybody say all things. Would all things include bad things? All things work together for my good because I love God and called according to his purposes. Uh, You've heard the saying that all dark clouds have a silver lining. Sometimes the sirens you hear are actually just a parade. And we've got to not just get flattened out by bad things that come micro macro local global you know we've we've got to just pay attention to some of the things i'm going to share with you here this morning it will help you in so many ways if you remember joseph's story in the book of genesis genesis 50 verse 20 it actually brings us out he said what you meant for evil god meant for good The New Living says, what you intended for my harm, God intended for my good. You've got to remember this, church, that you are never alone and you are never without help. And God never lets up on just turning you loose and releases his care and his hand. Never. He said, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So even when it looks like for the moment or for the period of time or the season that you're in, it's like, Bad thing, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing. You need to know this. God's going to work it out. And there are some good things even in the midst of the bad things. And I want to look at this here. In John 16, verse 33, in the Amplified, Jesus said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world you have, not might have, could have, no no, uh, percentages of one in seven have, No, in the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But, everybody say, but. Be of good cheer, take courage, be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. So notice there, tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. And, 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 and. You've got those things in the world you'll have those things can i get a witness anybody had any of those things and and even just this let's get this one frustration did anybody even have some frustration 
Don't frustrate me this morning. Okay. It is said that on the average, about 25% of your day involves unpleasantries. On the average day. That's why sometimes we look forward to the weekend or to a vacation because things change a little bit. But I'm still, still every day you're going to have a, a percentage up to about a fourth even that just involve unpleasantries. I've told you over and over again that life is a continuous cycle of crisis and process. Crisis and process. Um, I read recently, and this is startling here, that three out of ten people that you run into during the day. You ready for this? Three out of ten people that you run into during the day are broken hearted about something. Three out of ten people that you run into are broken hearted about something. They've got something, a, a family issue, a relational issue. They're estranged from a, a child or a spouse. They've got financial needs. They've got something they're waiting to hear back from from the doctor or maybe they did hear back from the doctor there's things that go on that maybe they've lost a loved one maybe a situation they worked on a long time just did not work out and three out of ten people that you run into they're broken hearted over something i think we need to be aware of that and all of these things put together that you know there's unpleasantries and there's crisis and process and people are broken hearted I, I think it helps us just to be aware of that because if you're already aware that life involves crisis and process, if you're already aware that approximately a fourth of my day is going to involve some kind of unpleasantry, some things I wish I didn't have to do this or do that. You know, I wish traffic wasn't this way. I wish gas didn't cost that much. I wish, you know, these things. We would wish for something different. But just knowing ahead of time, not being surprised by it, I think that helps us in great, great measure. Now, in James chapter 1, And I'm going to read verse two through eight here. It says, my brethren say, that's me. He's talking to believers here. Count it all joy when notice that when not if, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double minded man, unstable in all his ways. I want you to notice there in in the issue that we're talking about this morning is bad things. Trials in, in this passage, trials. And in this passage, in the Greek, this word trials means tests, challenges, temptations, adversity, pressure, those kind of things. We've already uh, already admitted that we, we relate to those kind of things. I find, now hear me on this, I find that centered believers, centered believers handle trials, handle bad things differently than unbelievers. And they also handle things differently than uncentered believers. That's not unscented. That's uncentered. A centered believer. That's my goal today is to help all of us become a centered believer. Because how many of you know there's many things to try to get us off center? Pull us this way. Winds of doctrine. 
problems in the world, pressures, all kinds of things, fear of man, all these offenses, all kinds of things. They'll try to pull you off center. But I find that a centered believer, a centered believer handles things, even bad things handles those different than an unbeliever. And this to get all of us in here and they handle it different than an uncentered believer. And so today I want to help us to get centered up on some things, no matter what is going on in your life. In Ephesians, we read that those that are without God in this world are also without hope. And it is possible, though, that a believer in their thinking and in their approach to things could approach that without God. It's called a practical atheist. They believe in God, but for all practical reasons, they don't consult him. They don't worship him. They don't acknowledge him as source. They don't pray to him until it gets really, really hot and hard. And, and so that's possible. But if you are living life, quote, without God, you will be without hope. And you will not handle things in, in the same way that a centered believer will. And so ultimately, it's to keep you from being double-minded and to get you centered down on this. Now, believers are not exempt from bad things. I wish we were. One day we will be. How many of you have given your life to God and you still got crud that still happens? Come on. Come on. All right. We're not exempt. But I think all of us would agree that we could avoid more than we do. If we would seek wisdom. If we'd maybe be a little more consistent, a little more obedient, a little more patient, a little more prayerful, a little more careful. I mean, you know, we could probably avoid a lot more than we run into. Okay. And I never want to relieve you of the responsibility, the personal responsibility of sometimes situations in our life or of our own making. Amen. Now, I want to share with you perhaps the most outrageous statement made in the New Testament. And then we're going to kind of break this down a little bit. The most outrageous statement in the New Testament. Consider your trials joy. Count it all joy when you, excuse me, my apology. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy. I already told you I hate bad things. And James is telling us, count it all joy. When, not if, but when you fall into various trials. Now, it's said in this passage that these trials, and this is what I want you to get here. These trials test your faith. They test your faith. Now, keep that in mind. And faith is how you overcome. 1 John 5, 4 says, this is the victory That has overcome the world. Help me. Our faith. So hard times, bad things, trials come and they test our faith. And your faith is what will cause you to overcome. So guess what? You got to pass. Have you ever had a teacher in school when you were in school? How many of you went to school? How many of you remember? Okay. Um, Do you ever have a teacher say, now, listen to me. You have to pass. 
this test or you have to pass this. Now, I never got down to that point. I had a few scary moments. But you have to pass. Guess what? Bad times, trials, things come. And the Bible says when that comes, it's going to test your faith. And faith is the thing that causes you to overcome. So guess what? We have to. Faith, you have to pass this test. Now, let me clarify a couple of things here real quick. First of all, God is not testing you and God is not tempting you. There's a lot of things in religion. There's a lot of people that teach this and they just need to finish reading just the same chapter here. Uh, and let's go ahead and read down James chapter one, same chapter. We're going to go down to verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, not escapes temptation, not quits, not cuts and runs, but endures temptation for when he has been approved. And that temptation is the same word back there used for trials in verse two for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, same word for those trials back in verse two. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt it's word 3986 in your strong's exhaustive concordance. Same word as in verse two for he himself does not tempt anyone, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. The thing that makes it a trial, the thing that makes it a temptation is how we're kind of made up. But we have faith that it's going to help us to overcome this. But I just want to clarify that real quick, that God is not the one testing you. Okay. Secondly, uh, first Corinthians tells us that God's not going to let that temptation test or trial be more than what you can bear. So whatever bad thing is going on, look at me, listen to me. It is not more than you can bear. So do not sign the quit sheet. I can't take another thing. Hush your mouth. Don't tell the enemy of your soul that because if you hinted to the enemy, I can't take one more thing. Guess what? He will find one more thing. So hush your mouth and don't sign that thing. This is too much. God is faithful. And he said he would not let it be more. And I know, gosh, I know sometimes you feel like you're being crushed under something. And then something else comes and then something else pokes you in the side in the middle of that. And God promises it is not more. It is not more than what you can bear. Now, let's clarify one other thing and then we're going to dive into it. I've just got a little morsel here, a nugget here for you this morning. I think it's always good to know who is he talking to. Now, obviously, because this is included in the canon of Scripture, this is to us, it's to New Testament believers. But also, uh, just before the most outrageous statement in the New Testament, which is, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, consider it pure joy. Well, I want to know who in the world are you talking to? So the most overlooked verse in Scripture, James chapter 1, verse 1. Look at this with me real quick here. Bond servant, James bond servant. I'm sorry. Um, James, a bond servant of God. <laughs> and of the Lord Jesus Christ. Look who's writing to to the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. To the 12 tribes, which are scattered abroad. Who are the 12 tribes? 
Israel, the Jews. But some, if you look at that carefully, though, what he's talking about here, the language, the content, the context here would not really connect with Jews in general. If you notice, he starts out verse two, my brethren. So he's writing to the 12 tribes scattered abroad, my brethren. In Acts chapter 11, verse 19, you can go back and read actually Acts, uh, Acts chapter uh, 7 on through about 11. You'll find persecution of the church going on. In Acts eleven nineteen, it says that they were scattered. Get this now. They were scattered by persecution. They were scattered by persecution. After Stephen was martyred, after Stephen, you remember that? The, those that opposed the church were emboldened. Paul got all the more, or Saul at that point, got all the more fired up about this. And they were scattered by persecution. Let me just tell you, you really, maybe by definition, have had some persecution, but you have not had persecution like they had. You have not even come close to persecution that's going on in the world today. But they were scattered by persecution. Think about this with me just for a moment. That persecution that caused them to scatter, that had to create trauma. Come on. What if there was such threat and persecution against you, you had to scatter. You had to leave for your very life, for your very well-being. You had to scatter and they scattered all over the place. And just a little side note here, God used that. Because now he had believers full of the word of God, full of the Holy Spirit, scattered all over the Gentile world, preaching the gospel just all over the place. Devil, when are you going to get it? Anyway, they're scattered. That created trauma. That created loss. That had to create fear. That created upheaval in their life. It created stress. It created financial need. Listen to me. The people that James is writing to knew a little bit about trials and bad things. And you have some of the same things going on in your life. Fear and stress and financial need and upheaval and, and, and all of these kind of things. I mean, the category, the list goes on and on. And this trial will bring about, this trial literally is a test. Now understand that I don't believe that it came from, but yet God is able to work. Please understand that. The trial, the hard thing did not come from him, but he can use it. And God is not out to, you know, beat the mess out of you and torture you and torment you just so you turn to him. That is not God's MO. That doesn't even make sense. Plus, in this world, that would be illegal. Seriously. If a father broke his son's arm and threw him out in the yard so the son would come back and say, Dad, I love you and I need help. That's mixed up. I said, that's mixed up. That's illegal. That's wrong. And yet some people have that view of God. Read the Bible. And so what happens, so stuff does come to our life. And the more that you ascribe the bad things as God is doing this in my life, the more license you give for the enemy to come in and do it. Undetected. Read your Bible. But God can use it. And what was meant for evil, God will turn it for good. Scatter my new believers all over. 
They'll preach the gospel and it'll multiply like all nothing. Just all over the place. I mean, what, what was meant for evil, God can turn for good. All things are going to work together for good. Now watch this though. But when this trial comes, it tests your faith. It tests your faith. That's approving. And, and really what it is is this. Get this. You arrive at a place when you have a bad thing happen to you, when you have a trial in your life. Listen to me, get this. Do I really believe what I say I believe? That's the test. When it hits you, do I really believe what I say I believe? That's the test. When it comes to you, I mean, you can have all kinds of public faith. You can say this, but when it really hits you, let me just ask you bottom line. Do you? There's the test. Do you really believe what you say you believe? I've been there. I've been there over and over and over. I'll never forget the first time that occurred to me. Do I really believe what I say I believe? I'm going to act like it because I think I do. And I'm going to tell you what, that was the test of my faith. Here's what I got on my grade. Faith works. Faith passed. And it's not my faith. It's who you put your faith in. It's a matter of this. I'm going to step out on this thing with my whole weight. And see if it will hold me up. I got a little chair here. You're probably wondering what in the world. Jennifer Canati, Pastor John's wife. She gets things at yard sales and and. Probably out of your trash too. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> and she's turned it into a cottage industry and she fixes them up and she paints them up. And in, a number of years ago, she made this for my wife and she painted it. I think it's called shabby chic. And then she painted all these little roses on it. And we've had it on our front porch for, I don't know how many years. And it's just there. It's just kind of decorative. It's just kind of ornate, just kind of front porch. Like a lot of people's faith. Just kind of decorative. Just kind of front porch. If you pull up, you see I got faith. But what about, will it hold me up? And I'm going to do a handstand on the back of this. Thing. <laughs> It'll get a better view for you. No, I'm not. But I saw something up in the kind of corner of my porch a while back and I thought I got to get to it, but I could not reach it. So I pulled this over and I thought, do I even dare? (laughs) Will this hold? I'm going to put my whole weight on it and see, please, please, will it hold me up? That was the test of the chair. And now I know the chair. I was not nervous one bit doing this, honestly, because I'd already tested it. (laughs) No, but laugh. Then when a bad thing, y'all look at the peril I put myself into for you people. (laughs) I know it will hold me. Why? Because when I did it before, it held me. Let me tell you the good thing about bad things. It tests your faith. And if you'll go ahead and say, do I believe what I say I believe? I'm going to step out on this thing and I'm going to put my whole weight on it and see if it holds me up. 
And let me tell you something. You would never do that if you didn't have that trial. I would never have done it if I couldn't, if I could have reached. But you'll never do it unless you have that trial. And then the trying of your faith. When I realize I can put my whole weight on my trust in God. I can put my whole weight on my trust in God. And it will hold me up. So 10? Is that a 10? That was my dismount. All right, real quick. It's a test. Everybody say test. So when this junk comes at you, I hope you'll perk up and realize, test. It's a test. And I'll show you why you can count it joy in just a moment, but it's a test. How many of you remember tests in school? Did y'all go to school? Okay. All right, you got the little test. They bring the test in. And the teacher says, okay, put your name up there. Timmy G. And put the date there. What's today? 10th. And this test only has three questions that we're going to look at today. First one is this. Now think about it. Trial comes. Bad thing comes. Y'all with me? Or do I have to get back up on the chair? Trial comes. Bad thing comes. Test. Because when that comes, first thing it does, it tests my faith. It tests my faith. It's going to prove my faith. Do I believe what I say I believe? So let's just, let's just look at this real quick. Here's the first thing in my test. Do I believe that God is bigger? Do you believe that God is bigger than what? Than this bad thing. Than this trial in my life. Do you believe God is bigger? Come on. All right, you have to you have to answer that one for your test. Because I'm going to tell you never allow something else to be bigger, never allow a problem to be bigger than your God. Cuz you will flunk the test. You've got to have this question right. Is God bigger? Let me read this to you real quick. Christine Kane, she's a Australian, she ministers a fiery young woman of God. She said this, power is not something God has. He just downright, flat out, is powerful. Whatever you're facing, he is able. So that's the real thing. Let me reword the question. Not only do you believe God is bigger, do you believe God is able? You have to decide that. Listen to me. Look at me. You've got to answer that question. Do I believe God is bigger than this? Do I believe God is able to do this? Second thing is this. Do you believe that God is good? See, if you're not convinced on this one, you're stuck. You're going to need summer school. Do you believe God is good? Let me, let me reword this one. Do you believe God is willing? See, a lot of people believe God is able, but they don't believe that he's willing for me. You've got to settle it. You know what? I believe God is bigger. I believe he's able. And I believe God is good. And he's willing for me. Y'all hear me? And the third question would be this. Will you 
Will you wait on God? Will you trust him? Will you do the things that go with faith? Will you keep your trust in God until your darkness becomes light? Will you do that? You, you've got to settle this. This is the test. This is the place where I'm going to put my full weight on there. Is, is God bigger than this thing? Is he bigger than this problem? Is he, is he good? I'm going to wait on him. You have to get to that place. I'm sorry if this looks ridiculous, but you're never going to forget it. And it's going to help you to pass the test. David said this in Psalm 27. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Here's what he's saying. My trial, my bad thing would have overwhelmed me if I hadn't believed, if I hadn't believed this, and let's just insert this here. If I hadn't believed that God was bigger than my problem. Is God bigger than the government? Is God bigger than, than terrorism? Is he bigger than radioactivity? Is he bigger than a recession? Is he bigger than a a family member you're at odds with that situation? Is he bigger than that? Is he bigger than the doctor's report? Is he bigger? Is he bigger? Is he bigger? Is he able? You've got to settle that. And is he willing? Is he willing? Is he willing? And David said this, I would have been overwhelmed. I would have lost heart. I would have caved in. I would have quit unless I had believed his faith passed the test that God, that I would see the goodness of the Lord in my life, in my situation, at my address. Somehow God came through for me unless I believed that he would do that. Unless I believed that I would have just been overwhelmed by this and would not have passed that test. In verse 14, he said this, wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. The good thing about the bad things, count it joy. Come on, pastor. What's the good thing about the bad thing? The bad thing tests my faith. And if I'll just get into faith, if I'll ask, do I believe that God is bigger that he's able do i believe he's good that he's willing will i wait for him to turn this around the good thing about the bad thing is i never would have done this if that trial had not come you'll never do it you'll read you'll sing you'll take notes you'll go to meetings you'll do stuff you'll buy a jesus bumper sticker t-shirt and the matching mug But you'll never really, I mean, you'll consent. Yeah, God's good. God's able. I'll wait on him for anything. But then when the trial comes, I'm telling you what, that's the test of faith. Is there a good thing? And I'll share some other things with you next. Is there a good thing about the bad thing? Yeah. It tested my faith and I never would have done this. I never would have done this if this trial hadn't come, but it came and it tested my faith and faith works. And now I know And those Jewish believers, those Jewish Christians that that James wrote to, he was able to say to them, my brethren, you already know this. You can count it joy. You can count it joy because you know that that testing of your faith is going to produce patience. We'll talk about that next week and some other things next week. But listen to me. Here's, Here's the deal. Now when something comes my way, and sometimes I'm a little sleepy at the wheel, you know what I mean? 
Sometimes something hits you and you're like, oh, oh no. Uh, But we've got to keep ourselves alert and realize trial come to you, count it joy. Why? (laughs) What do you mean? Bad thing, you're going to count it joy? Because faith works. Because God is bigger and able. God is good and he's willing and I'll wait on him till he turns my darkness into light. He will come through for me. And if I don't believe that, I'll be overwhelmed by this situation. But I do believe that. Trust in God. Faith in God works. And the good thing about that is I discovered that when trial hit my life. Did you get anything at all out of this this morning? Thank you, Lord.